Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ah! Oh, oh, welcome back. Oh, sorry, just dusting off the, uh, the dust buddies here. The, the Sandman visited me last night. Um, welcome back. You are, you're listening to another episode of a show called Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast where people sometimes fall asleep as they're about to record. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. He's already awake. And <laughs> I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> you can tell who the morning person is. And let's talk sport. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the coveted episode 60. Another 10 down. Trey's got his Bayern Munchen, Bayern Munich hat on. Uh, congratulations to the champions of the Bundesliga. The best in Fußballspielers in dem ganzen Welt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Very good. So let's get, I mean, let's. There's a lot of playoff basketball to talk today. There's a lot of juicy drama. There's a lot of winning. There's a lot of losing. You know, it's just the regular stuff, but it's that much better because it's the playoffs. Mm. So let's mm, mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> So let's dive right in. Let's get in. We actually also have a little bit of football here, and Trey's going to share that with us in a little bit. But let's dive right in, and let's get right in with those weekly highs. The weekly highs. So, my I'm going to start off with my sports weekly high. We're going to talk a lot about the Celtics this week because of their nothing short of impressive performance in this first round of the playoffs so far. But the thing that I really want to highlight about them is Marcus Smart, the second guard since Gary Payton, is now, again, the second person since Gary Payton to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. And every year people talk about it, they say, well, why don't guard win? Why don't guards have a chance? This year, we had two guards. We had Mikal Bridges and Marcus Smart, along mm-hmm. with, again, the regular DPLY, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Got to expect him to be in there. <laughs> they just, it's like a default selection. It's like you just, AD's no, I said, always in there. I said, I, I, I was just saying this, that I feel like he's become the LeBron of defensive players in terms of that award, where it's like people get pissed when LeBron is not in the MVP conversation. Like they were this year, even though like the Lakers were a losing team this year. (laughs) (laughs) But LeBron uh, was playing so well that people wanted him in that conversation, right? Um, So I feel like Rudy Gobert kind of gets that treatment. And... I mean, it is warranted most of the time. Like, he is a really good defensive player. Are you stellar? He, yeah. Like, if you if you check the if you check the stats if you check the analytics, he's like I'm ranking him on the top. Of and you check impact. Players. 
Well, and you just you check impact. I mean, the ability to alter shots, the ability to block shots. I mean, what he does, Shrey, on the basketball court defensively is undeniable. Offensively, I would say he's a little limited. I mean, he's a vertical threat, but he he's not a shooter. He's not like a true post up player where he's like incredibly dominant. He's you know got like shakes and shimmies and you know step throughs, mm-hmm. but he's got enough of a bag and an, and a lot of a defensive presence enough to where he is an effective player. And I would want a Rudy Gobert on my team. Absolutely. I will say this, his ability, or I guess inability to, and we'll talk about more about uh, the series, but his inability to to step out to the three-point line and be comfortable with that at this point in his career uh, is really hurting the Jazz. And it hurts them, especially when they target him um, with three-point shooters on the court. When they play small, when teams play small, like Dallas is playing right now, they... Gobert becomes more ineffective. They can't play him on the court because he won't step out there. His goal and the Jazz's goal is to suck players into the paint so Gobert can swat away shots. They just vacuum people into the paint so that Gobert is the last line of defense. Right. When they, play- they play their angles when they when they guard like certain players, they'll play them to their weak side, but play them so far that if you're a basketball player, you're you're automatically thinking you're like my best option is to go to go in to the paint because I have my guy already on my hip. And in most cases, yeah, that's a good scenario. But when again, his it, you know you have somebody as dominant and as commanding in the paint, you think twice about those shots. You yeah. think twice about going to the rack because he makes it look easy. So yeah, yeah. So but, but when when a team like Dallas and I got to give Jason Kidd a lot of credit when I never thought I would say that sentence in my life, <laughs> um, giving Jason, Shrey, I get it. for those of you who are, you know, kind of newer to the pod, Shrey, when the Celtics were looking for a new head coach, oh, Shrey made a point to say, he's like, I pray to God that it is not Jason. Kidd. Oh my God. I was, I was so thankful that they didn't pick Jason Kidd because <laughs> considering his last stints, I was like, I cannot have this guy. You're fired. Team. You're but, fired. <laughs> but what I will say is Dallas has played really well under him and they figured out how to play Gobert. Like they they stuck to it. They haven't said, oh, we're gonna change how we play. And right. it's worked. And so that's that's kind of the fault of the team, the jazz team. It's not a fault. It is a fault of Gobert where it's like he hasn't yet figured that out. And like his, his <laughs> what do i do his foot movement is great especially when players move and he's his, his ability to to stay in front of people but his ability but he can't get up on people at the three-point line and that's why you get all the memes of like oh my god you let this guy drop this because it's a real flaw in his game it's a real thing expose him <laughs> but when we talk about smart right and this is why this is why we brought it up in the, in the first the highs, one, yeah when we talk about smart, he can guard one through five, right? He doesn't uh, have the height easy. to guard a lot of fives, but his tenacity. He's got the strength. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to yeah. allow you to push him around in the paint in the first place. He's going to try to attack. Point of attack is going to be outside the paint in the first place, right? And this is and when we talk about smart, we've said a lot about we've said a lot of things about smart, right? From from the good, the bad, the ugly. We keep it yeah. real. We we have we have to. I feel like. The people, the Celtics fans that only talk good about each player are doing Thank a you. disservice Thank to, you. right? Like, it's like, okay, yes, I, you see the goods, but. Well, you, but you have to be realistic. Exactly. And straight, I, you know, I have been referred to among friend groups as Mr. Negative when it comes oh, to same. analyzing the Celtics. <laughs> same. But the thing is, is that we, 
if you listen to our podcasts, we literally made it a point to give them their roses when they deserved to be praised. You cannot tell me that at the start of this year, from from October to January, that the Celtics were playing a good high level of basketball that was consistent or everybody was getting involved. No, it was more of the same problems that we had before. Ime wasn't fully warmed up yet. Mm -hmm. The players weren't warmed up yet. They weren't bought into the system Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a team quite yet. It looked like the past four years in the same things that we've been struggling with. And that's exactly what we said. So when that changed, we were able to reevaluate and say, oh, this is a good team. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of the, that's part of the thing. Like it changes, but you do have to hold players and teams accountable at the same time. Exactly. And that's one thing is like when we talked about smart and his, and kind of that start, right. We had to adapt that, that take once they started playing well. And then you also have to adapt the expectations. Right. So like when we talked about like, we, like the one thing I hate about, is when a team starts like starts off poorly and then goes on a hot streak and then they kind of run out of gas at the end of the year and maybe they they lose in the playoffs in the first round or something like that and then the right. team was like and then the fans are like oh well you know we didn't really expect him to be there in the first place so it's like that's a that's a good season and I'm like uh but then what happened to the last couple of weeks where you were so excited and you were like thinking about them as a playoff team now you're going to use the old expectations to to resemble like to kind of pick frame the team it's like no yeah exactly so i like when we talk about smart we're kind of in that say i think as smart plays the celtics play right like it's kind of if smart plays really bad and his decision making is poor and he's kind of not into the game which we've seen offensively offensively mostly on an offensive point right yes yeah when that happens, the Celtics, it feels like they're always stagnant and then players are trying to get their own because there's like almost like a little power struggle going on with the ball. But then when Smart is playing incredible team basketball, you know he's going to bring it every, every game on a game-to-game basis on the defensive end. And that's something we've prided – like we've, we're proud of him for that. Like we don't, we don't say anything bad about him defensively. It's mostly been on the offensive side. So to see him win – defensive player of the year max is something that like i'm not surprised about like that's something that i'm more surprised about the offensive growth that he's seen this yeah year. like well is- he's been well sure i mean we know that smart has been in that dpoy conversation for a number of years now yeah like exactly like you said his ability to guard from one to the five without a problem i mean i've seen him guard against potential mvp Joel Embiid, and he mm. is strong enough to where he keeps him off his spots. Joel will still score because he's that gifted, yeah. but you can see that sometimes he, a lot of the times he's missing, and a lot of the times he's taking tough shots, tough hooks, tough turnaround jumpers. Those are the shots that you want to force him into because if he's going to score, he's going to score. You don't want to give him guaranteed easy layups, guaranteed dunks. You want to keep him out of the paint and play physical. And we're going to talk about it in you know a little bit, but we've seen that same aggressive, without fouling, defense against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And you can see that it's throwing these players off their mojo. So, I mean, he's quick, he's strong, and he is freaking wicked smart. He's Mac is smart. <laughs> he's wicked smart i love him oh my god he's the city of boston but so if we also try i just want to touch on one thing too we also acknowledge this too we said we're like we talked about 
Danny Ainge extending Marcus Smart and Brad Stevens extending Marcus Smart and extending Rob Williams. Yeah. Again, when they did that, we were like, okay, let's see how it pans out. And when the first couple of months, it wasn't, it didn't look like it was going to pay off. Now you've essentially just locked in two of the best defensive players in the league mm. on your team. And we, through Ime as well, and the players buying into his system, we have reestablished an identity as a defensive team. And I couldn't be happier. Exactly. But we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. And when we talk about Ime, we, we knew of him coming as a defensive coach. So to see that kind of come all into fruition, even though, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like now we have the whole season to look at. We, we know about the bad start, but we also know what they've become. So you got to put that all into perspective. And it's, and from the defensive end, it starts at smart and it kind of, permeates throughout the rest of the team that's why you've seen this kind of juice on the defensive end uh that we're going to talk about with this first play of playoff series so yeah yeah seriously so to marcus Smart on getting the deep defensive player of the year award ow, ow! gary payton uh show like surprise him with the news to be there i thought that video was pretty cool because you saw with um scotty barnes getting rookie of the year vince carter was not he was not in Toronto. <laughs> he was not there. <laughs> he he sent in the video. <laughs> when I saw the caption, I was like, oh, did Vince squash the beef? Did Vince squash the beef? And then, no, he's on a freaking Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was a recorded video. I think I saw a guy. I saw a guy with the laptop next to the, the little you know, projectors uh, thing. So I think he sent in a video. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't like. Do these? Does the new teams have beef? With, I think it's probably like everything's so new. Like they shouldn't have beef. I know I've said this before. They shouldn't have beef well, with them. It's more. He's got I thought beef it was the franchise. Yeah, I thought it was more of a fan thing, right? Does Toronto still hate Vince? I'm I'm kind of confused. <laughs> I thought, and look, I don't like making blanket statements, but I thought like Canada was like a nice, forgiving place. <laughs> I mean, that's a good blanket statement if you're going to say any, right? <laughs> I, you know what? Props to Canadians. This is what I've heard. I've interacted with a bunch of Canadians. They are all great people by yeah. default. That's, I don't like making those statements, but I'm going to make that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I thought they'd be fine, but apparently it's still contentious. So yeah. So uh, my personal weekly high is... Um, I've been pushing myself to do more cardio and uh, it hurts, mm. but it feels good. So it's like once you kind of like push, like once you die a couple times, like yesterday, I was also a big dummy and forgot my water. Um, and I was Ooh. outside doing like a work really dumb. I lasted. You were outside 20 minutes. 20 minutes. It was only like 80. And I was like, this is fine. The sun just. Yeah, no, that's the killer. It's like. Even if it's a dry heat, the sun on the back of your neck and just kind of like wears you down. And your eyes like you can't like you're outside and you're like this. You just can't see. And it reflects off the concrete. It's coming down. It's coming from the bottom. But anyway, point being is after you die a few times, (laughs) you feel good. And it starts to see because I realized I was like, you know, I'm actually not in the shape that I need to be in. You know, I'm like in shape and I don't want to sound like a diva, but like in terms of like competitive basketball. Yeah. I'm still not there. If I'm running up and down the court six times and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need to take a second to recover. How am I going to play the game if I'm out of juice? So, exactly. yeah, that's no, so I'm, in I give cr- I'm in the same boat. I like I do a bunch of running or any sort of physical activity like playing basketball. I play, you know, ultimate with friends and stuff. And yeah, uh, you can just tell the fatigue sets in after like it's funny because like during it, you kind of feel the adrenaline. You're like, yeah, let's do one more. Let's one more. One right. more. And then now I'm like, (laughs) 
Water. My, my brother. <laughs> Water. I don't need it. I don't need it. I need it. <laughs> what kind of place is this? Yeah, Patrick. <laughs> so that's my progression. <laughs> but that's really how it is. You know, SpongeBob, art imitates life. Life imitates art. Mm. SpongeBob. He knew. They got it all right. He knew. Steven Hillenberg, the goat. Rest in peace. The goat. Rest all right, in Shrey. Peace. Bring us downtown. Give us the lows. <laughs> the lows. Not Home Depot. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> do, do. I, you know, I, 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 there's something about that song that is in the most manly way. It is like a, it it's like a, an attractive song. You it know, is a you do- hear that and you're like, it is a yeah. doer. It is a doer. That song <laughs> is a doer. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to get it done. I'm ready to play that song in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I need something to set the mood. <laughs> you automatically, when you hear that too, you smell the plywood and then you're just ready. Your hands just get calluses instantaneously. You are ready to go. You just, you, you mix like old, like bedroom songs with, the instrumental from Home Depot. So you're like, you're like, hey, I got some Luther Vandross. And, but the background, the background instrumental is the Home Depot song. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Al Green over Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go now. And we're not actually singing it. Not that we don't know it. We're just avoiding copyright. Correct. It's, Correct. Just so everybody knows. We know what the song is. Okay, just want to make that abundantly clear. All right, Shay, what if, <laughs> there's some, uh, yeah, what's what's bad this week? All right, let's start with the personal low. Um, this is actually something that happened yesterday. My friends and I were joking around about it. Uh, so I played pool for the first time in a long time. I haven't played pool like, <laughs> like in a while. And uh, I was having some rough games where I'm like, I'm like decent. Like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm good. But it felt like every game I was like, I, I'd go on a little run, maybe like a, like two or three balls would get down to the eight ball and it would be on my turn. And I'd either, <laughs> I'd, I, I, it happened twice where I hit the eight ball in the wrong pocket. We lose, oh. but it's like, but it's like, I call the pocket and I get it. I get it close. It like, it'll rim out. And then it'll bounce out, and then like I wouldn't even think of that bounce even happening, and it goes, and then it's like slowly rolls into. I'm like, I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do Stop. it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh great. <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, on a third, on a third game, uh, like we had just started, we were in like the middle of the game, and I was like, all right, I just gotta hit something because I don't have a good shot. And I hit it, and then it inadvertently hits the pool, ball, uh, the eight ball into the, into a hole. Uh, game over. So, so it's like, yeah, like you can't, you just can't hit the eight ball into anything, right? So it's like, um, and then it's funny because then we played a rule where it's like, 
uh, if you have like an e odd number of people playing, like you go by the numbers, I guess, or uh, you can. Um, so the eight ball was within our set of numbers that we had to get in for the, right. for the balls, and right. I couldn't get it in. So the time where I needed the eight ball to go and I couldn't get it in, and then when I didn't, it would go. It I would mess everything up, and I was like, I was having a real bad. And then yeah, I was having a real bad day playing. Well, pool. that's just the worst. It's like you get down, you're like on the eight ball, you're like I'm ready to win. And then it goes on the wrong. Po- it's the worst feeling. You you lose the game on it too. It's important. Yeah. It's an important yeah. ball, and I don't like how it worked. I don't. I I started to hate the rules of pool just because what I was the- playing them bad. <laughs> this is ball. <laughs> <laughs> Billiards. Come on. This is a class. <laughs> it's a. Stick. It's okay. Trey, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I took I took a customer out. One of my customers at work was like, hey. Uh, let's have a meeting. And I was like, okay, he's where do you want to go? He's like, I want to go to Dave and Buster's. And I was like, mm. interesting pick, interesting pick. I was like, you are either a child adult and we're playing arcade <laughs> games or something else. It was something else. And he just hustled me. I, we just went to the pool table and I did not for money, but oh, like yeah, for yeah. pride but, and, sh- and, and shame for me. And I just yeah. got hustled. It's like, <laughs> but have you played or you, you just like, Again, I feel the same as you as well. Like I'm decent enough where I'm I can like, play, play, you know, and not be like, you know, doo-doo garbo. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you sink a couple balls, you hit a couple good shots. Sometimes you scratch and miss. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like know? I feel like when you get hot, you get hot. But then like at the end of the day, like uh, law of averages, you kind of like you average. could be you could be doing really well and then i'm and then you you kind of like suck it off just to come back to the middle where you belong and i'm like uh-huh. i'm like dang i'm like feeling so good i'm like i think i went on a run of like uh i did win one game so i could say okay. i went on a run of like four or five balls and i won one game but the amount i did win i did lose three so uh i am down three one so if i'm the Cavs, uh maybe i <laughs> maybe i run face Maybe I bring it back, but uh, I, I did not. So that was an unfortunate situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that sound going on. I feel like that's going to keep going. <laughs> it's good. It's a good sound effect. It's it's a sound effect. Oh, and all of a sudden, I'm Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, those ears are looking pretty tasty. <laughs> you know he's making um, or he's made. Um, so you know don't he has a cannabis company. Don't say SoundCloud. Don't say SoundCloud. Okay. No, no, no. You know he has a cannabis company, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's selling ear-shaped gummies. I heard about that. I heard about that. I thought I'm that brilliant. was. I thought that was. I thought that was really brilliant. I thought, like, and I think both. Obviously, both him and Holyfield have buried the hatchet. They've talked and everything. Right. Um, right. Uh, did they did the Oprah thing and then they? Hey did man, I'm sorry about your ear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Mike, loves the looking pretty tasty, man. I, I, I'm sorry. And I remember they did that. I don't know if you saw. I don't remember what commercial it was. It might have been a Super Bowl commercial. But then, uh, it was like Mike Tyson going up to Holyfield, and uh, he has a box in his hand. He's like, "I'm sorry, Evander." And then he like opens up the box, and it's a like a bit up ear, and he's like, "Will you forgive me?" And he like passes it to him. So like they they both poke fun of it all the time. So I thought it was brilliant that he like brought it back with the ear shaped gummies and stuff. With the and gummies, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pretty funny. Um, let's go on to my sports high. Yes, I'm uh, sorry, my sports low. My sports low. It yes. depends on it depends on what side you're thinking of this from. I'm gonna take it from the uh the side of the team I'm talking the team. about. Yeah, 
the San Francisco 49ers uh, news has been released and it's been out there for a couple days that star wide receiver, do it all utility player, Debo Samuel, good player, good, great player. I think, I think he's really what keeps that offense chugging is because he can do so many things. Debo Samuel has asked for a trade out of San Francisco. Um, This comes in a long line of wide receivers or just kind of stars wanting out of their current situations uh, because they're not getting the money they feel they deserve from the team that drafted them, right? So uh, we've seen this so far with Devontae Adams. Uh, That also partially had to do with he wanted to play with Derek Carr, his uh, college quarterback, but not to say he probably he probably didn't like the situation. There was, mo- there was money in there somewhere, somewhere, somewhere mucking it up. Um, he Tyreek Hill, who didn't get the contract he wanted from Kansas City, went to the Dolphins, and got that gets the bag boatload of money. He got the Brinks truck. When we say he got the Brinks truck, <laughs> he got the Brinks truck. They they did a special delivery from Fort Knox. Oh, for sure, just to get him. <laughs> They put the gold bars in the to, for that that many million dollars. Seriously, yeah. And now we have Debo Samuel asking for that. He's coming off what I think is his rookie deal. Um, he's looking for his second contract, and yeah, the, the two sides are just way too far apart. Uh, we've seen uh, some discontent also with Tennessee and AJ Brown. He's holding out of uh, voluntary workouts. Uh, so far this spring looking yeah, for a new contract. It. So it's happening all over the, all over the league. Uh, we've talked about it before the kind of, uh, you know, holding out NBA, NBA vacation of the league, trying to get the bigger bags and more power to them if it works. Um, but it becomes a distraction too. So it's like, you got to take that hand in hand where it's, you're going to do that. And if it gets released, you got to handle it. Uh, you got to handle the distraction. You got to handle the questions if you're asked, things of right. that nature. Um, but then also, it's going to work out, I think, if you're a good enough player. And I think that's what's probably going to happen with Debo Samuel is the team is not balk- uh, is not balking. Or the team thinks he's balking. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, the terminology, you know what I mean. But they think they're going to they're going to try to call his bluff and be like yeah exactly so they're like we're not going to trade him right there's right. like i think at the end of the day they think okay we'll just have to like pay him and he'll he'll be okay and he, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know remember when you know Kobe Bryant asked for a trade at one point and you know what i mean they the lakers made a move and then Kobe Bryant didn't want to trade after that so it's like things happen once once you once you get what you want as a star player you sweep some things under the rug and then you, you act like everything's okay. Right. So that may be the the case with Debo Samuel. We're yet to know, but it came out again after. Well, but it's the Aaron Rodgers thing. It's like, we were like, remember when we were like, Aaron Rodgers is gone and he did that just to secure a bag to secure the bag. So it, it that's still on the table. And I think I've, I've kind of learned from that when, when we, when we talked about that, where it's like, like, I don't think the trade means trade right away. And obviously, I think Debo's camp is, is doubling down. They really said, no, I want to be out of here. I think that's what the double down uh, second report was. Report was. Yeah. So it's like, I know you, you. they could still be doubling down to get the money. Who knows, right? And from what we know, 
San Francisco is has been a good situation for him, right? He had a career year last year, pro bowler. Uh, Even he, with Jimmy at the helm. With Jimmy at the helm, Trey Lance for a couple games. He was able to do what he does. He, right. he, he was able to stay healthy, too. That's one thing that it's been tough for him uh, through the early part of his career was staying healthy. So it feels like, okay, he's just trying to play that, right? Off of a career year, he's trying to you know counteract any regression potentially by getting the contract, that the biggest contract he can get, right? Which is a great business uh, way. But if he really wants out, that is tough to hear because that's another star player leaving the situation that drafted him and not, and you know, not the, the, the team that drafted him, not wanting to pay that, that, that type of money. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a trend max. I know. And conceptually it's something weird to me. And it's weird also that it's happening in football where star power is absolutely a thing, right? You know, you, you have your great players, but in in a in a in a sport that is so reliant on the entire uh not organization but the like all the players in the field you need to have everybody firing on all cylinders to be effective it's weird to see this happening and then you think about it conceptually too it's like what does this say to the fans what does this say to the management what is like you suggested say what is this saying to other players is this going to start more of a wave of people being like yeah i think i'm pretty good so I'll see you later. And, and, and I'm not openly disagreeing with it mm-hmm. because like you said, for a business decision, that this is their career. This is their job. But it also opens up the gate where it's like it's an Aaron Rodgers situation where he gives us two weeks notice. He says, I'm done. I quit this job. I want to go somewhere else. They say, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, we'll pay you the $15,000 that you wanted this year. And he said, oh, OK, I guess I'll stay it still creates a weird situation when you remain in that because there are reasons legitimate or not legitimate that you want it out. And when people think everything is okay, which I would hazard the 49ers did, they lost in the playoffs, but they made it a lot, hell of a lot farther than everybody thought they would. Right. And you could see that like the quarterback needed to be adjusted. Right. And then a few other missing pieces be added. And then the 49ers are actually a legitimate team. Yeah. A competitive contending team. So it's weird to see, just like with Tyreek Hill, just like with Devontae Adams, it's weird to see these players who we thought were happy want a new situation entirely. Yeah, and I think it's more about the level of the request where it's like, obviously, you're trying to get the most money you can as a player from the situation you're in. The The level that we've seen players go to now is asking for the trade and requesting the trade to get that money, right? Where it's not like, okay, obviously holding out, you can do that. It's within your power to hold out, get the most. But it it hasn't broken the line of requesting a trade and saying, I want out or I get this money. You know what I mean? When you say, Mm. I want out or I get this money, leaving the team is on your mind. You are willing to take that part of the deal. If they say, we're letting you go or we're trading you, you have made that available. You've made that choice available. But if you don't say that and you just want to get the most money and you hold out, but you're still saying, you know, I really want to be on the team. It's just, a, you know, I'm just, you know, trying to, you know, find the best deal for me, things like that. That's different. That's, like, situ- yeah. Yeah. that's getting that's getting the most out of the situation you're in. But that's still saying I want to be in that situation. I think that's where we're at. If we're getting a lot of more people, 
players crossing that line to trade like very quickly from the get-go and um it's it's difficult for teams but it's also like players have players have the ability to do it so they they're using that power right and it's kind of i mean it's something that we've talked about before it's like do you stay with the franchise that drafted you because of opportunity you know and you have again it's it's not it's not a black and white situation it's different for everybody but it's weird to see a lot of that like so early right yeah he didn't sign he didn't sign an even two-year extension with the team that drafted him after his rookie deal boom gone Mm -hmm. and that to me is the weirdest thing it's the same thing with nba players it's the same thing with zion it's the same thing with a lot of guys who are like oh i'm in this situation i'm not happy okay goodbye (sighs) again i i reiterate what does that say to your fans what does that say to your franchise, your management, your ownership? What does that say to the other players on the team with you as well? That's actually the other thing, too. Was what is that saying to the other players? Yeah. Right? Oh, do you think you're better than me? You know what I mean? Like, do you yeah. think, oh, you think you're all that in a bag of chips? Like, you're not going to try to work out what we've got going on here? Especially, too, for the 49ers who, like we said, are so close. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Weird. And sad if you are... A 49ers fan, so sorry. (laughs) Well, that just about does it for the episode. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. Just kidding. No, (laughs) we have to talk about playoff basketball. So let's dive right into the meat and potatoes of this week. The first big ticket item is the series with between Boston and Brooklyn. Two games in Boston so far, one game in Brooklyn. The Celtics have won all three. And let me tell you, Shrey, when I was hyped, I felt like dancing after game one. I felt Mm. like dancing after game two. In game three, I was like, man, I just did not expect that. Three games Boston took. The first two by slim, slim margins. Celtics won by one point, won by a Jason Tatum buzzer beater spin move in the first game. That last sequence, incredible. Game two, we were down the entire game, sometimes by a lot, up up to 17 at one point. To take the lead with seven minutes left in the fourth and then to ultimately win by seven in game two at home. And then game three, to just kind of like take a lead and then just keep the pressure on. Keep the pressure on the whole game. What are your initial thoughts about this series, Trey? Because we have to give the Celtics their roses and we have before, but I also want to change the narrative that we're seeing. And that narrative being, oh, well, Katie and Kyrie are just having slumps. They're just having bad slumps and they're just shooting bad. And that's why the team isn't winning. I want to switch that perspective to say that let's take a look at the incredible defense, incredible defense from the Boston Celtics. I mean, nothing short of stellar in every single regard, the ball pressure, the off ball pressure, the switching, the communication, the steals, the blocks, all of it. So what are your initial thoughts just kind of on the series, on the defense, the whole thing? Yeah, when we talk about the Celtics, defense first comes up, especially from the second half of the season. Like January on, we know that they've been putting pressure on teams. They've really taken it up a notch as a team. It's not even just like... I've taken it up like three notches. Yeah, 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 multiple notches. And it's it's, it's with the team in mind. It's not like when we say... When we used to talk about defense, right, with this team, it used to kind of start and end with Marcus Smart. Right. That was the defensive guy for us. That was. The, but now coming into this playoffs and seeing what they've done to Kevin Durant, to Kyrie Irving. And taking them out of their game, right? Their game is they, especially with KD, they get the ball, you know, 
at the block. Down. At the yep. block, yeah. They kind of back someone down, or KD just shoots over them. Face and drive, pull up, yeah. It gets to the gets to the line, and he's then then they get flowing, and then that's when you know KD is getting 40, 45, like that type of thing. And then Kyrie, yeah, there's yeah, there's literally a flow to their games. It's they just catch the ball, they shoot it, it hits the bottom of the net. They go back, defense, shoot it again. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it almost and their offense acts as their defense in a way where it's like you see them make so many shots that when when the Celtic, when when a team opposing team misses a shot, right, the, they keep piling it on. And that basically is their defense is them just piling it on. They can they can go for nine, 10, 12 point stretches at a time where it's like, OK, at this point, the teams are just like, well, what are we supposed to do? It's Kevin Durant, Kyrie. The mentality of this team, the Celtics team, is something that I haven't seen in past years where it's it's not just Marcus Smart doing the defensive work anymore. He's a part it's of everybody. it. But we just saw a game in game three where Jason Tatum had six steals. And if you saw it, they weren't cheap steals either. No. No, they weren't gimmies. These they were, weren't gimmies. These were, these were playing the passing lanes. These were when... When Katie is trying to get the ball on the low block, you know, when they're, they when they do an entry pass, poking it out, they're yep. poking it out from him. You know what I mean? They're making it super difficult. These, this is Tatum doing the stuff. This is not something that we've thought about with Tatum being a defensive player. But this is something that we're seeing the second half of the year, especially the last couple of weeks of the year and now into the playoffs. Same with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is really playing that KD initial dribble well. That high dribble he has when he starts off, Jalen Brown is attacking. Marcus Smart is attacking. So that's how they're able to get these steals on the three-point line, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like far away from the hoop where KD can't really get into a rhythm. He can't even get a shot off when he's getting stolen, when the ball is getting stolen that fast. And on top of that, too, not only are they like being really smart about when they choose to attack on the steal or when they do that, but they are playing a, a physical brand of defense that is is messing up the mojo of Kyrie and KD. Mm. You can see that sometimes fouls are called. You're right. Sometimes they get a little too physical. A hand will come across the arm. They'll reach in too far. But in doing so, in throwing physically their rhythm off, I mean, that that's a key to their success. Right. They're they're just they're putting they even when they front and keep their hands out and just play all body, they are in. They're not playing off. They're not letting KD get any room because that's the thing. He will shoot over you. He will jump 12 feet in the his release point is literally like 12 feet. Yeah. It's like it's it's, it's so above high. the basket. Is it's crazy. It's above the basket and he just shoots it up and over or kind of like towards it. Yeah. So for them to like play physical and and deny ball in a lot of circumstances, and like you said, it's been everybody. Yeah, it's been Grant Williams. It's been Tatum. It's been Brown. It's been Pritchard. I mean, Pritchard, he's not the biggest guy, but he's an agitator. Yeah. And he's taking, you know, lessons and secret out of Marcus Smart's book. Rob Williams, when he was back, he had a couple like, you know, altered shots. He had the block uh, on Drummond. Al Horford, Al Horford, Tice. Tice, I've been impressed with. I mean, yeah, we know me that he has some de defensive lapses and I just still don't like seeing him in these one on one matchups, especially against K, K, K KD and Kyrie. <laughs> But he's been holding his own, and he's been making big plays inside. And again, like I just mentioned, Al Horford too. Very impressive. So it's a team thing. And we have reestablished, like I mentioned earlier, this identity of being a defensive team. It's We're not going to give you anything easy. And we're, I'm noticing there are still some miscommunications because it happens, but there are less and less of those. I mean, we are tightening up. And we realize that in order to win these games, like you said, 
you need to stop them from getting their shots. You need to stop their flow and you need to stop them going on runs because they will they will abuse you if you let them do it. Exactly. Which is when we saw game two and they went down 17. I kind of went back into old Celtics mode a little and I was like, oh, my God, are we seeing this again where they they're going to go down big, you know, and it's just like especially with the Nets. Crawl back. Yeah, yeah, especially with the Nets. Like if you're down big. They pile it on, right? They that's like we said, they're they're offense they'll bury is their you. defense. They'll, they'll just you. bury you, yeah. they won't let you come back. And even if you do make a run, they'll have made so many more that it won't even have mattered at that point. So I was like in that worried state that I was like, oh man, it's gonna happen. But then I did I did gain some confidence with the Celtics going into the half when the Nets let up seven points out of that 17. And made it a 10-point game. And oh, all of a sudden, it's a 10-point game. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, the Nets keep doing this. Like, we were talking about this when we were talking about the play-in with Cleveland. And how the they Nets defense yeah. yep. just lapses multiple times. Where, yeah, they get out to these big runs. And like with the Cleveland game, they were up 20 at the first quarter. And you were like, man, they're going to bury Cleveland. And although they won... They only they only won by what like six or seven points or something like that, and it was because they let Cleveland slowly get into the game, and that's something that I was kind of in tune with. That I was like, you know, if they're going to keep doing this, the Celtics have a chance even with the even with the big leads. I wasn't obviously thinking that in the moment, and I was like almost like, all right, like is it even worth watching this game at this point? But I, you know, Shrey, I did, I did say at one point when we were like really like when we when we were sliding, I was like, oh crap, this might be an early turnoff game. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and then I, I literally looked at my I roommate. And I half. said, you know what? Yeah, that's why I said I looked, I looked at my roommate. And I was like, you know what? I'm not worried. And you want to know why? Because Jason Tatum had zero points, and Jalen Brown had four to end mm. the half. And so for me, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? These guys aren't going to not score this game. And Jason Tatum ended up giving us what 14, 15. Huge points. They came at the right time, and it was a team win. Everybody was called on. Grant Williams was called on in the first half, made like three three threes in a row. Peyton Pritchard had 10 points, but it felt like 25. Yeah. There were huge buckets at the end. Al Horford has big shots. Tykes had big shots. It was Derek White, although he's he can't hit a three for his life, <laughs> he's taking good shots. And, and, and I know. I know sometimes it's frustrating, but at least he still has the confidence to go out there and shoot them. And he's not jacking anything up. Exactly. He's shooting. He's he's missing. He's shooting but he's wide missing, open three. Yeah, he's missing within the team. It's not like you feel like, oh my god, like yeah, he misses, and you kind of expect it at this point. But he's not like going out of his way to try to get himself into a rhythm too. So it's like, at the end of the day, the 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 net the net negative is so minuscule that you. You're but not, he's making up. Yeah, you're not you're not you're not too worried about him on the court. So I'm like, okay. And they're all and, and that's the thing too, is that Derek White, again, he's a big guard who can hang. He can hang. He can hang on the defensive end. And yeah. that's that's kind of where we're seeing him reinstate his value. It's like, okay, we came down the court, we worked the ball, because that's the what the Celtics are doing too. They're working the ball around. They're finding the open man. Marcus Smart won the game because he didn't shoot that shot. Incredible. He faked two nets go by him take the step, wait for JT to cut with seconds left, seconds, milliseconds. And and you can see that throughout the entire game. Sometimes Marcus Smart will jack up a couple shots. I'm like, eh. Sometimes JT will force a few things that I don't think he needs to force. But at the end of the day, they're still finding the team. They're still finding their guys. And there's a confidence and there's a poise that we are playing with that is really, really fun to watch. 
and it's a team game. It's become a microcosm, especially that that last play in game one was a microcosm of that second half of the season, which is why I was I was like, if, exactly. if you're a Celtics yeah. fan and we talked about this, if you're a Celtics fan and you're confident about this team, although you didn't get the best matchup, you shouldn't be worried that it's like game over because we got the Nets. I think if you're if you're if you're confident that this team will continue to play, and that's why we adjust our expectations, Max, is because when you know the team is playing well, you have to say that the team is playing well and will continue to play well until further notice, right? So it's like you can't yeah. just say, "Oh, the Celtics are like playing really well. They, you know, they're a championship contender. Oh, but they might lose to the Nets." So, yeah. It's, I'm just well, gonna, like I'm just gonna say I'm just it's like it's like you can't have it both ways. They either can beat the Nets, they have enough to beat the Nets, or they don't. It's not you can't say, oh, they're playing well, oh, but they might lose. You can't have that attitude. So that's why well, I was confident. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, well, I said we did say we're like we think it could be a six, seven game series, but we, we did, did say that yeah. say the Celtics can come out. They they can win. And this this is also changing perspective, right? So this is something that I wanted to talk with Trey about and, and kind of analyze throughout the entire league. We're seeing now in the playoffs when it's the most important. We're seeing star power versus team basketball. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing win, and not just with this series, but across every series in the NBA right now, is that team wins, though, or just teams in general, the ones that trust every person who's playing on that court, those are the ones that are winning. The yeah. ones that are letting their 10th their man take the shots, giving them minutes and, and, and trusting everybody on the court. But when necessary, letting their superstars take over, those are the teams that are winning. If we look at the Brooklyn Nets, you have KD and Kyrie, and you can see that, that when they're not shooting well, they're still, they, they keep shooting. There's still not that, there's just not enough trust. There's not enough. I mean, if we saw in game three, Seth Curry and Patty Mills hit a bunch of threes to kind of keep them in the game, even though the lead was still too big with the time left. You got to call on those guys more. You need to, you need, and they can't play defense, so you need them to keep up their offense. Same thing with, um, you know, the the Nuggets. We see that Jokic is the only guy out there that's doing anything. We're relying on a star power, but they're losing to a team. The Warriors, and although they have the death lineup, but they're playing team ball. Everybody is getting touches. Everybody is getting minutes, and they trust each other. The Bucks are playing like a team. The Bulls. Well, the only reason they won a game is because DeMar DeRozan went off. And yeah, star power is great. It'll get you a game. It'll get you two games. Trey Young took a game against the Heat. But it's not sustainable. The teams that are going to the team that's going to win this year is going to be a team that plays like a team. And how many times can I say team in like three sentences? <laughs> a lot. But I reiterate the point and it goes back to those golden age, golden age that sound sound like an old head. But the, the, the golden age of like 80s and 90s basketball, where everybody's like, hey, it was a deep sport. And you know, Larry Bird used to share the ball. And you know, the Pistons, they're bad boys, but everybody touched it. Yes. And I kind of agree. It's going back to where you realize that it takes a team to win. And that's what it is. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of made basketball for the better when you see that team basketball is winning over these star brands with the Nets. You can tell that Kevin Durant doesn't know, especially within the series when he's kind of out of sorts a little bit. He doesn't. He he he's not finding a way to to understand when he needs to be used 
and how he needs to be used. Normally, in teams in the past, like when he was on the Thunder and when he was in Golden State, he knew his role and he he knew how to fit. He knew how to fill that role really well. He knew when to take over. That's why those OKC teams were able to make you know multiple big playoff runs. He was able to win championships in Golden State. He was able to understand like when he was needed. He took over games when he needed. He let Steph. He let Clay go on their runs. There was a chemistry there. When he decided to leave that situation and go to Brooklyn, I, I, I don't think he understood the plan of what was going to happen. Right when he came, he thought it was going to be him and Kyrie, and it was going to be and and then I don't know. There's going to be a team around them that. I, I'm assuming this was thought that it's going to be a team around them that helped KD fill the same role that maybe he was in an OKC or something he's comfortable with. But, but yeah, but it hasn't worked out that way, right? Like there's been so many distractions over the past two years, the team playing well, then they bring in Harden that changes the chemistry. Then Kyrie gets hurt in the playoffs. Harden is playing on, you know, a hurt hamstring. They don't make it past the, the second round. Um, then, now this year, Harden gets you know isn't playing well. He comes out of shape. He doesn't Leaves. you know want to be there anymore. They get tra- he gets traded. Now you have Ben Simmons who hasn't played a game yet and will, will not, not play, play a game. game. Yes, <laughs> will not play a game. Oh, get your big red noses out, people, because. <laughs> Ben Simmons is still not playing basketball. <laughs> it is kind of insane. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're on a counter for that sound, we're at three so far. Um, but like he, I, I, he, like it's so many distractions. He didn't. I didn't. He didn't expect there to be this much change, and uh, that didn't allow them to have that chemistry. Right. So when when Kyrie comes after the game three and says, you know, we didn't have time to gel. The Celtics have been gelling since January. Like it's all self-imposed. Like this is a situation that you both have put yourself into and have created you. The first thing that came out of their mouths when they signed in Brooklyn was that they didn't need a coach. Was that this team wouldn't need a coach because oh it had that? I remember Do you that. remember that? That's when, the, yeah. when the, that's the that's the initial sentiment they had about a team that included both because they could just do it. player coaches, right? They right. could They're just like, play we're so smart. Coach. And Steve Nash was like, "Guess I'll die." Thanks. Yeah. So it's like, so already that's the sentiment, and then now we see it like Steve Nash kind of does not have any confidence as a coach to make any moves to make any. To make any switches, like he's 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 like kind of panicking well, at this point. He put him well, Griffin. well, he did well. No, yeah, I was gonna say he did that. He made he almost brought a dark horse into the game that that almost brought them back in. He took Blake Griffin off the bench, who did not play in the series. Guy plays six minutes, hits two back to back threes, misses the third one, loses stamina immediately. But having him come out and make an impact, like he got a foul call too, like that for a second, I was a little bit scared. And I was like, oh, no, that's going to get K- K- you know the crowd back into it. That's going to get KD and Kyrie back into it. And then ultimately it just fell flat. Could you imagine if that came in earlier, though, in a, in a situation where, you know, they, they may need have some needed points. sparks, they need some energy. right? Yeah. And a 17-point yeah. run that's going, you know, 
decreasing and decreasing. Maybe you need to throw in a spark plug here and there. Like he doesn't have that game sense. Right. And that's something when we're, when we were talking about Steve Nash, we were kind of, I was kind of like, uh, I know you were, uh, you were, you were talking about him in a positive light um, originally. I, mean, I, I was still, that. I maintain that I was still, I was still, you know, up in the air about him because, you know, with the Which team with KD and Kyrie, I didn't understand. I, I wasn't able to fully understand kind of his impact on a game to game basis in the regular season. Um, but you're kind of seeing it in the playoffs where he, he's not able to make the same changes and kind of you see his post games and stuff where it just seems like he's out of it. And But that's a, that's a situation that was created by KD and Kyrie. So, right. It, it's just, well, it all other, comes back to that. Well, the other thing, too, is that I, I, I actually agree with the point, and I think that's an interesting point about him not making those changes because this year the Nets had like 20-something different starting lineups mm-hmm. between having Aldridge back, between Blake Griffin, you know, all these guys who, they, you know, Cam Thomas was starting a couple of games. They had the rotation. Patty Mills would start a couple of teams, whether that was based off of injuries of their stars or just trying something new. But, you know, that that showed a, a moderate to medium amount of success, but those are the things that you have to try. Yeah, you have to play. You can't just say, "Oh, by default, these guys are gods, and we're just going to run them." Because that's what we're seeing right now. Everything was focused on because when any conversation you had with anybody, it wasn't like, "Oh, the Celtics are going to beat the Nets as a team." It's just like, "Oh man, the Celtics got to watch out because KD and Kyrie are here." Yeah, that, that's where all the focus was. Right, and then you analyze the Nets. You look at their depth offensively; they're deep defensively once you get past well honestly let's think about let's think about who they have seth curry mm-hmm. not arguably not a great defender patty mills although he's a hustler arguably not a great defender mm-hmm. blake griffin the guy is about to like his legs are about to fall off yeah he's got no stamina he's not a great defender yeah goran dragic used to be decent but not anymore and he's older now too Kyrie, one of the best offensive players in the game not a good defender yeah. and then kd solid i'll give him solid but not a great defender yeah so i mean that's a recipe for success where it's like the writing should be on the wall sorry for failure a recipe recipe for, for fa- yeah i was gonna say Shay, what recipe are you looking at my uh, lasagna? Celtics, celtics recipe for success <laughs> it's a recipe you for look fa- at my lasagna because that's a recipe for success <laughs> no lasagna is mean all right i'll tell you what but this is not. This is it's a recipe for failure. Yeah, it's a recipe for failure and the writing should have been on the wall and it and I feel like people real like I kind of basketball heads understood that the the Nets were susceptible to defensive lapses and you've seen it throughout uh throughout the season. Period. Period right? like, we talked about. Yeah. It's yep. the offense can only take them so far. If you're going to talk about them in this great offensive light Regardless of who, if they have only Kyrie on the floor, if the regardless if they only have KD on the floor, if they have both, if they had with Harden, if you're going to talk about them like, oh, they're just a massively good offensive team, you got to watch out for it, which people were, and I was one of those people. You also have to talk about them. But it's fair, though. You also, yeah, but you also have to talk about them as that bad of a defensive team. And they, they don't, I guess, they don't have that player or they don't have a team defense in mind, right? They have they have a couple good defensive players that, that here and there will make plays, right? Bruce Brown I being would, one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, you're right. Yeah, I actually did. Bruce Brown has been electric, and he's the only reason that they've been able to play. Yeah, 
So, and, and, and I will say Goran Dargis isn't a great defensive player, but he's provided an offensive spark plug in some of these games with some of these runs he's been going on. Well, and even again, you look at Seth Curry, you, you dish to Seth Curry. He's going to make the shot. Yeah. He's making an open three. It's, it's, it's become that way where I see he's him. Got he Del has got Del Curry's blood in him. He's, he's got, what do you expect? <laughs> that, that family man is just insanely talented. Incredible. Incredible. But that's beside the point. But yeah, yeah no. You you look again. Cam Thomas has been great, but outside that, and you know, I actually he hasn't did. played. Was, where is he? Where is Cam Thomas? Where is Lamarcus Aldridge? Like, where are he, these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the series, I meant I meant to say Bruce Brown has been great, but, but yeah. Cam Thomas is also. Why is he not seeing the floor? Even Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus Aldridge is a better option than you know. DeAndre Jordan is is because he's so big. He he is fine defensively, but again, getting older. And you can see he commits a lot of fouls. Okay. I'm actually been knock on wood, relatively impressed with the officiating. I don't think I think it was know, kind of it was kind of rough in the first two games. I think the third game it got less it got less uh, more less about the refs. The first but couple Drummond games, commits a lot of fouls. Yeah, yeah. The first two games, the, the especially the first quarter of the first game, I think it was like the most called most foul called quarter in, in the, in game the NBA season where I was like, oh my God, is this going to be the, uh, how this game is, how the series is run? Um, it has gone down a little more. It, it's, uh, they've allowed them to play a little more. I haven't seen that many bad calls. So yeah, I would say that the officiating has been relatively uh, stable. That's another thing, Max, in that when we talk about all the outcomes of a Nets team, right, and how the Celtics can play them and kind of what they what you would see from playing the Nets, you had games where you had thoughts of KD going off, right? Like he's going to he's gonna go off, maybe he'll have 40. Same with Kyrie. They'll get to the line a lot. Okay, we've neutralized – so far, the Celtics have neutralized the on-the-floor the, on the type of, you know, the field goal aspect of those games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you had a game where KD went to the line 20 times, Right. So yeah. when so like yes. so like when people were like after game one, um, I don't know, was it game one or game two where he had the twenty fifth? I think it was I think it was game one. Yeah. So when people were like, Oh, like you know, he hasn't gotten into a rhythm, like, you know, he'll just get to the line. It's like we've already had we've already seen that game too. He We've, we've seen him go to the line. Yeah. He's been neutralized 000. on the on the on the floor. He was shooting. He's gotten free throw game. He's gotten his free throw game 20 times. They've lost both of those games. What other type of game is he going to have? Is he is he going to get out of this rut? He could. He could. But we've also seen Kyrie go god mode in the second half in the first game. Disgusting. 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 We were able to eke that one out. So it's like for the for a Celtics fan, I've seen <laughs> Yeah, it's cre- no, that's creaking. I've seen all the options. I've seen yeah. all the I've seen all the things that would have made me anxious. Exactly. You've seen we've seen a nail biter back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That was game one. We've seen the Nets go up huge. That's game two. And then game three was Celtics controlled the whole thing. Yeah. Every time the outcome has been the same. The Celtics are able to to set their mental game. And that's another thing, Shrey, actually, I do want to highlight is is there's not enough emphasis on the mental side of basketball. It is such a mental sport. Yeah. It is such a mental sport. And you have to play mental gymnastics, especially when you get to this level. You can't tell me that Kyrie wasn't bothered. The guy was fined $50,000 for flipping off fans because something got to him. And even though he does his deep breathing, which I think is a great technique when he's at the line, 
something about hearing booze and, and people just like hating your guts, it throws you off. But and even in Brooklyn, if you think if you think about it after he, while he while the crowd was, you know, chanting and he was able to kind of retort with his uh, one finger salutes, as they said on the broadcast, uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, it got him going that game. Right. He had what, 30 in the second half or something. Well, game two, he had 10. Yeah. Once he got fined, and I'm, I don't know what happened behind the scenes with him in the league, and if they told him, hey, you got to kind of stop that, otherwise we're going to suspend you or, you know, we're, we're going to keep fining you or it's going to be a bad look on us, you just got to stop. But he didn't do that in games two and three, and he quieted down. Kyrie feeds off of the fans. We, we talked about this in the last episode where that rivalry has been back and forth. And when he did that in game one. Did you like, did you like my thumbnail, by the way? I want everybody to go check out the thumbnail for episode 59, Cry Rhea River. Um, I, you know, I did work a little bit of Photoshop magic, and uh, I really just wanted to kind of get back at the whole Nets, Celtics, Kyrie Celtics beef. Um, so, again, please just take a look. Continue. And it's, and it's something that, you know, has gone through the spectrum of actions, right? So that, that whole beef. And right. Kyrie, Kyrie, I had no problem with Kyrie doing what he did. Like, I thought it was kind of funny because. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know I what agree. I mean? Also, mostly also because we won that game. So it was kind of like, ha, he did that and we still won. Like, whatever. But I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, true. I probably, I probably would have been, you know, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have been like, what, what is he doing if we lost? Like. Yeah, how is he allowed to get away with that? So, you know, my mood changed. We can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> it's fine. I can, I, 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 I'm a human. I can do that. So when we talk about him kind of having to suppress that, that those emotions that he was able to, to explore and, you know, really get a rise out of him, get 30 points in the second half, almost, you know, single-handedly get them the win. He wasn't able to do that in games two and three. You saw more, a, a calmer yet, not as effective Kyrie. You saw him kind of fade in certain spots. Yeah, he's getting the occasional jumper in the in the lane, and he's obviously he's going to hit those. Like it's just too easy for him at that point. But, but also it's not to enough your, to make a run anymore. And you're also getting him agitated to the point where he's committing ticky tack and take fouls. Yeah, he's he's gotten and a lot of fouls. He's gotten to the point where it's almost uh, fouling out. Like he's gotten four or five fouls a game five, at this point. Five fouls in game three, and you can see, and that's in Brooklyn too. You need to you need to consider that because he does hit a lot. He throws his hands. He does swipe, and swiping is fine. But sometimes it's just like a blatant hit. Yeah, blatant hit. Yeah. So it's it it really is the mental game, and I mean it, it's gone to him, and I think that's what's gone to the series where you know not just with Kyrie with KD as well, where it's if you're not getting both of them in a rhythm and we've seen both of them in a, in a rhythm before, either whether it's Kyrie in game one, Katie in the past, right? Like we know what those guys are capable of, but if right. you're neutralizing what they're capable of, then it's, it's kind of like, where do they go from there? Like they're, they're stuck. So as long as they can continue to do that. Right. And like, obviously like from a Celtics fan line, like even though they're like, we're up three Oh, like I don't want them to get a four, a fifth game, so I don't want them to win and take it back to 
to Boston. Like I'd want them to win and be done with it right I'd now. I'd just be done. Well, straight. What did I talk about last week? Is when you win in four or five, it essentially acts like a bye week. Yeah. Now you can just focus on practicing, rehabbing, and getting ready for the second round, which I believe personally is so important. Like so you important. take that, you you cap that series off. You can, and I think you can celebrate every series victory in the playoffs. Not and, over the top. Don't throw confetti, but yeah. say, hey, God, you know, we did a good job. Yeah. And now let's now let's take this win. Let's get ready for the Bucks. Right? The Bucks don't scare me as much as as and, but don't let your guard down, but the Bucks don't scare me as much as the Nets did. The Heat bother me a little bit because they're a team. And the Bucks are a team too, but without Middleton, you know, but they it guys, remains to be seen. They have they have guys that step up like we do, and that's the one thing. It's like Right. We, right. Like we're even with them. The same way I thought that the talent of Brooklyn would be even with the Celtics team. Now we know that, you know, the team basketball is what's winning right now. So I feel now more Milwaukee is more even, even without Middleton. Milwaukee is more even with the Celtics in that they can, you know, you, you have multiple guys you need to try to neutralize to to try to win a game, right? In yeah. the net series, you can have Bruce Brown go off for 26. You can have Goran Dragic get 18, you know, maybe 13 in a row or 12 in a row or something like that. And still know that you can win the game at the end of the day because you've you've neutralized the two biggest guys. If you neutralize Giannis, which you can't, which is which is very tough in and of itself, considering his inside outside you, game. You, but you can't neutralize. But again, we haven't. I wouldn't even say we've been able to neutralize KD and Kyrie. Again, KD still went to the line. Kyrie still popped off. Yeah. you can slow them down, but that's all you have to do. But that's so all you yeah, have to do. if we can slow down Giannis, that's a different story. We're not gonna we're not gonna shut him off. He's insane. Yeah. The guy can the guy can dunk from the free throw line and be <laughs> literally like behind the basket and still jump back and dunk it. Yeah, and he can hit open threes too. Which key? Don't let those threes slide. And also too, I've really one more note on the the Celtics defense. I've really appreciated that aside from a couple lapses on role players, we're making them take those pull up jumpers versus the threes. Yeah, because the threes will kill you. That's that's three points versus two. That that extra point is a difference. Yeah, and we're waste, making them waste a lot of clock. Like when we talk about that game winner in game one, it was because Kyrie had the ball for a long time. He drove. Al came in on a perfect double team. Marcus Smart was able to stay in front of him that whole play. But I really loved Al's like double team right there. Made him drive with no purpose. And now he's Mama stuck. Mia. Now he's yeah. stuck, and now he's got to pass out to KD with three seconds left. KD's got to chuck up a massive three that obviously you knew wasn't going in. So it was like that type of pl- that type of defense to make them waste clock because it helps you at the offensive end too, right? Now there's less time for there's less time to kind of you know have another possession for them. So and the a, more time and you a can waste. Yeah, well, in a brilliant move, Trey too is to not call that timeout. I, yeah. I think everybody in that arena, and I think everybody except for the Celtics, was like, wait, wait, they're going to call a timeout. And they kept playing through it. Yeah. And that left everybody in scramble mode. KD on defense, you see that he had to like leak out to the top to uh, guard smart on, or no, not smart, guard somebody on the three, which allowed Jason Tatum to cut behind him from the wing and get to that spot. Because yeah. KD had to stay up on that shooter yeah. or just play that middle area so he could slide back. And so the miscommunications and everybody's scrambling. Yeah. And then Kyrie didn't fully commit to the smart pass. So he didn't get a hand in there and that allowed Tatum to, you know, spin around him. And so it was like, you know what I mean? So it's like all this, Ooh. it's the tiny things that are helping the Celtics win. 
it's what it's the grit and it's the grind that that Nets team doesn't have. They don't have enough of. I mean, like Bruce Brown is probably their their more like grind, like probably their more grittiest player i guess they you know he's down and dirty he's a hustler he's a hustler he's not letting up he, he's in jt and jb's face he's in their face and he's a great he's a great defender making them really work but he's not in the whole game yeah and he they don't have enough of that type of player where if yeah. you're having your best player jason tatum play that type of defense it's like like you just like that's unlocked like you've unlocked what you need you need your best player to play all facets of the game. They can't just be offensive. Not just offense. That's what the Nets are going through right now. Their best players are only playing on the offensive end. And you even see JT stepping up on other things too, where there was a foul. And we're citing very specific examples, but the principles still apply. There was a foul where KD took a baseline jumper. JT was right there with him. He ended up hitting his wrist versus his hand, but to jump up that high and contest that shot and to stay with him. And then, you know, there was another one where, JT almost got a block on Nick Claxton. He came from behind. He hit the ball. Claxton had enough strength to finish it. But, you know, that's also a note. Nick Claxton is woof, woof, bad. (laughs) He's like, he's your classic young guy that is athletic and he'll get his points on the logs and the pick and roll. He's a classic pick and roll player. His awareness outside of that, outside of that role is it's it's tough it's no shot and it no makes shot. you question it makes you question the the loss of jared allen for that team oh Could my you imagine goodness. what jared allen jared would do allen? on that team yeah why they let him go i don't know it, he's just so much more mature at his role than nick claxton is and now they have to play nick claxton all these minutes when you could have been playing jared allen and you especially when Andre Drummond gets into tr- uh, foul trouble. You could have had Karis LeVert. You know what I mean? Like you could have had another oh. ball that, that doesn't need to be a star like James Harden was. It's all hindsight 2020, but these types of players were players that probably they, they would have been so much more useful than the players they had now. So it's like, it, it's a lot of hindsight 2020, but I was thinking about like, man, that trade, other than the picks that they lost, they lost players that they could have really used in this series. That would have made a clear defensive and offensive input. Absolutely. So absolutely, without a doubt. And really just, you know, let's give the Celtics their roses. Let's give them props and credit. I mean, because they were just, they they've been impressive. And like we said a few times before, you know, on today's episode, they have been playing team basketball, and that is what wins games. That is what wins games. So let's see where it goes from here. I'm excited. I'm hopeful, um, but I'm going to keep it realistic. You know, like if they, if there are, if there are lapses, which there still are, you know, you have to think about that stuff. So yeah, crazy. This first round has been exciting. And before we go, I, we want to just quickly talk about another really exciting first round matchup. And it, it was something that, I, again, this is why I don't bet on sports. Cause I don't think I would have been able to predict this. The Memphis Grizzlies two seed, which wild in itself versus the seventh seed of the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, I didn't think that either of these teams were going to be as competitive as they were before, but game two. Game three was game two. Correct. Game two, the Memphis Grizzlies go down by their largest margin of at one point 26 and fight back to win the game. 
if you talk about a comeback, you talk about a playoff comeback, and you talk about a team that's young and hungry. I mean, both of these teams want it. For you sure. can tell, right? And right now when we're recording, it's Sunday the 24th. The series is tied, but both of these teams want to win. And it's great to watch. But, I mean, Shrey, that comeback in itself, impressive. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was like kind of stunned. Minnesota and I think the inside crew have been talking about this team being uh, un- like they haven't been focused at times where they get out to these big leads, right? And you saw this in the first half of that game where they were up 21, 22 points. That lead was brought down to, to I think, with single digits. Then brought back up to 26, and then Memphis was able to come back and win by nine. So it's like to have multiple 20-point leads and then, yeah, just lose. by nine, not one point. It's snooze fast. Yeah. So it's like that's insane. And it's a team that you can't snooze against. You can't snooze against the Grizzlies, right? And we were talking about the Timberwolves after the play-in. And kind of I was I was uh, praising Patrick Beverly being that defensive, you know, that defensive anchor and kind of bringing that intensity and how the defense has changed. This Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about. He lapses. He, he so that, that that's the thing. I gotta I gotta point it out where it's like, yeah, I praised him, and they've been a great regular season defensive team. Um, but there have been times where the rest of the team have not followed suit. He hasn't followed suit, right? He There's, hasn't followed suit. That's exactly what I'm so talking. It's about. Like, yeah. So it's like, so so it's like it, it it you get these games where you're like, huh? But they just but they just played so well the other day, and they were having clutch defensive plays, and then now they're giving up two 20-point runs it's like it's so wild that that it can be that far between the spectrum right like you got to be more centered like yeah you're gonna have games where you lose leads but it is a lack of focus that makes you lose two of those types of leads you like that 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 means you're just resting on the laurels of your points and you can't have that happen so when we talk about the series i have no idea where it's gonna go because after the first game where it was a a one point Minnesota win the other two have been i mean the second game obviously was a was a great game in terms of the up and down nature but then the last two games have been blowouts for either side so it's like i have no idea and this is one of the series max that i don't know if you remember when we talked about this i was i said i wasn't i wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota gave it like this 2-7 matchup was like Minnesota would give Memphis a lot of trouble considering they do have really good defense. Like, I guess from a holistic perspective, obviously they have these lapses. Well, it's self cat, even in cats, bad game, he had five blocks. Yeah. But I then mean, that's a lot, but yeah. then they have a, an, they have a really good offense as well. So it's like, so I, I'm not, I wasn't counting them out in the series, at least when most people are like, Oh, Memphis is the two seed. They've been, you know, the superior team all year. I wouldn't see a team like the, the Timberwolves uh, making any noise. And I, I wasn't about that. I thought, you know, let I was a, I was like an early supporter of the Timberwolves. I had them in the play in. I know they made it. Uh, I had them as like a nine or 10 seed, but they you made it the seven. You did. I, yeah. They made a seven. So I, I, you know, I, I understand that if there's growth that it's going to, it's going to, it's going to come with some growing pains. But you're gonna get really good games like you did uh, with Game Four. So 
it's really going to be interesting, Max. I don't know how you viewed the series. I have no clue how this is going to turn out, but. Well, exactly what I said. Exactly what I said in that it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to see these two teams who we haven't seen before, to see their logos and their players getting hyped up, to see a lot of attention around it too, because they're both so young. And, and again, they both haven't been here before. Yeah. So to see new faces here, you know, it's versus like a, like a, you know, James Harden Rockets versus, you know, whoever. It's, it's nice to see new teams get into the playoff mix. And they're both young and hungry. They both have a lot of talent, but they also both have a lot to learn. Exactly. Like, do I see either of these teams going to the conference finals? And if they got to play the Suns or if they have to play the Warriors. Oh. But but as much as they are, you know, going to their superstars, they are both still playing team basketball. Yeah. They're calling on those, you know, six, seven, eight guys. Yeah. You And you need them to step up. I mean, we have incredible talent in Ant Edwards, Cat, you know, and then on the opposite side, you know, Desmond Bain. Oh, man. Desmond Bain. John Morant. I cry every time Desmond Bain goes off because uh, that was our pick. And I'm just like, man, I know I knew that I know that that (laughs) was like a draft day trade. But yeah, but I I spiral because, man, is he fun to watch. Yeah. And he has some of the most massive arms. He's I was going to say he's a more offensive-minded oh Grant Williams. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, his three points. Yeah, yeah, he can he can really but take Grant it to Grant Williams the, is playing good. He's playing good. 41% from 3. Like, I mean, that's what he's, that's what you want from him. We were I was ready to write him off, but with the growth that he's 50, made 40 90 baby. <laughs> we're, just, we're on the way. We're on the he, way. But straight, straight. He did the thing that Semi Ojale could never do. Exactly. He grew. He he grew. He grew in three years. Yeah. First first one, he was like, okay, we have promises of defender. Sophomore slump, second year. And then year three, he's coming out shooting basically 50, 40, 90. It's like, it's like, wow. It's something Semi Ojale, you think of his first year and his fourth year, they were basically the same. <laughs> just bad just bad so yeah so when we when we talk about kind of the grizzlies when we talk about the timberwolves there's there's a little bit especially with the timberwolves there's a lack of balance i guess where you get really high highs and you get some of the worst lows that you could ever have and (sighs) this is it's what you get with a young team you're gonna get when you get the high highs they're they're a winning team they're i can beat you in this seven game series 10 team but if right. you get any sort of slump, like when we saw Cat and he had eight points in the game where they lost two 20-point leads. And then I think in the last game, he had 33. Uh, he had he had an amazing game last game in game four. So I'm like, it, there's got to be a balance with, with every player, with each of those stars that uh, there really hasn't been. Um, and I don't expect it really from a young team, but I do ex- I do like the noise they've been making. They haven't, you know, taking this down without a fight. And that's what I like from a young team is they don't just like, they're not just like, Oh, well we're overmatched. Cause we have, we have uh young guys that, you know, haven't really been in this position anymore, but they see that the same team, same thing is happening to the Grizzlies and they, they, they're giving it a fight. And that's what we love from playoff basketball. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's, yeah, I look and I got to say as much as, you know, the Warriors are killing the Nuggets, the 76ers are killing the Raptors, you know, the Suns are struggling against the Pelicans as much as whichever way these series are going, they're all competitive. Mm. 
they're all competitive and it's it's really cool to see how these teams are performing who's stepping up who's falling behind yeah and i'm excited for really any of these teams to win a championship so much variety so much variety it's a it's a box of chocolates it's a variety pack you get some (laughs) coconut you got some orange the orange ones are always terrible yeah i I will not hear otherwise Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you get a chocolate. You're like, oh, I'm excited for a chocolate. And then there's orange in there. It's got to be raspberry. I think raspberry Raspberry is acceptable. I think it's the most acceptable fruit in a chocolate, I would say. Yeah. In a chocolate. In a chocolate, yeah. Yeah. You get a chocolate covered strawberries. But I wouldn't want, I don't know if I want a strawberry. Strawberry in your chocolate. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But it's yeah. a variety. I'll take it. I'll, if it's I have variety. to suffer I'll, through, if I have to suffer through an orange one, I'll take the one with the coconut on it. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be that bad game, but uh, I will take it because I know that the re- the overall quality of the the product will be good. So if I have to suffer through a couple bad chocolates, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I still we eat chocolate. Speaking metaphors. Here. At the end of the day, I still eat chocolate. Chocolate. Did you say chocolate? (laughs) Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been another exciting, action-packed, contentful episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas, and we will see you next time. Peace.